This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I love you, Jack. Don't you do that. Don't you say your goodbyes. You're going to go on. You're going to die an old, an old lady, warm in her bed. Not here. Not this night. Promise me now, Rose. And never let go of that promise. I promise. I will never let go, Jack. Six oh six, Toronto today. You know, I'm assuming most people saw it once in the theaters. Um, I, I wasn't one of those people. Yeah, spoiler alert. This is the that was kind of the big part of the movie. That, that's right. <laughs> to, to give well, I don't think we gave anything away. I, oh, I'm still you. hoping for a happy ending. It's directed at you. Six, six and a half billion people on the planet haven't seen Titanic. I'm one of them. That means one and a half billion people. Now that you might say. Brady, and it sounds like you didn't have a girlfriend at that point in time, and I think that's accurate, or maybe we were just going to see action movies uh, in 1997 and 1998, but I've never seen it. Um, I feel like after you've lived half your life, and I think I have by a couple years, there's not a lot you'll do. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane. I'm probably not going to, um, you know, swim with the stingrays, and I'm probably not going to see... uh, (laughs) Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. I'm a big Kate Winslet fan, a huge fan, but I uh, I rep one of the 1.5 billion people. Valentine's Day is really intriguing. It has arrived. Here's some quick, uh, quickie Valentine's Day stats you can uh, impress people with and and maybe your your significant other. 52% of consumers celebrate. I don't know what it means by celebrate. Um, I don't even like that phrase hubba hubba, but whatever. Up to 52% of consumers celebrate Valentine's Day. Don't tell your wife or girlfriend later or boyfriend or husband that you're, um, you, you know, you're into, into the idea of some consumption on Valentine's Day. They're not going to understand you. Three in 10 Americans, we don't have the Canadian stats, will go into credit card debt from Valentine's Day spending. Slow down. Make sure he or she is worth it. That's my finan- I'm a financial advisor for 10 seconds right there. Slow your roll. 35% of consumers shop online for gifts. 225 million roses are grown specifically for Valentine's Day. Watch that roseflation at the flower shop as well. Get, some- get a lily. How about a plant? Get a couple lilies. And 6 million people in the United States of America get engaged on Valentine's Day. They have 10 times the population we do. Does that mean 600,000 Canadians get engaged on Valentine's Day? It seems like a lot. It seems like a lot of people uh, doing just that. Really quick on the uh, going out front. Our, I won't go out tonight uh, with my wife, but we went out last night. We have what we call a date anniversary because our first date was February 13th of 2000. So we were 24 years last night. and We're coming into a uh, sweet spot. Again, forget that consumption part earlier and, and the phrase sweet spot, but um, today, this summer, will be our 20th wedding anniversary, and then we will have a 25th uh, date anniversary next February. But we took our kids out for dinner last night, and I'm going to tell you, like we didn't go, it's not, it wasn't fast casual. We went to an, a nice place with a little bit of ambiance, although that ambiance changed the second they put all, you know, 98 televisions on the Leafs game with the sound up really loud. When, would, when did this become a thing at every bar that I must hear every random regular season game 
uh, of a hockey team that plays 82 games. It's ridiculous. Give me that. Give me that adult contemporary uh, uh, rock and roll music back. Give me my mix back. Instead, I get uh, a blasting pregame show for 11 minutes in my ear. But four of us ate for $102 last night, and there was an appetizer, fried pickles no less. I can't stand those things. But six of them arrived, and two people uh, split them and had three each. No alcohol involved. You know, I'm watching my, my girlish figure. No dessert involved, but I had some steak and shrimp, and we were out of there for $102. I'm not... Brady, tell us where that, no way, no way. This is like a secret route to work or like a tra- like a parking spot at a, at a Leafs game or a concert. If I give away this restaurant, and I'd love for it to keep doing well and, and do good business, so I went out and supported the local economy last night, then it's too packed and I can't get a table. You do understand. It's like when you, gotta, when you know where there's a parking spot downtown, you're not going to blah, blah, blah about it on the radio. You're going to keep that to yourself. So no way. But it can be done. Avoid alcohol and desserts and, and any app except fried pickles, and you'll be in great shape. Uh, let me get to this. The city budget will get presented today uh, from the mayor, Olivia Chow. And everyone was sort of, you know, whispering a little bit. And we were on the on the, on our show yesterday on Toronto Today. And that sort of spread and, and uh, uh, grew throughout the morning. The concept of, well, there's going to be a reversal on how Mayor Chow handles the police budget. So, yes, um, there was a plan to further increase funding for the Toronto police. And in the statement yesterday afternoon, the mayor said she would support a raft of motions to enhance that budget. And one is that additional allocation to the Toronto Police Services Board. And I see this two ways. A lot of people hammering Olivia Chow, and they've been hammering her since the beginning when she got elected. But if you can't see that there's an opportunity to pivot, that, and, and you're going to stand your ground on losing battles, you're, you're not worthy of the chair. And I credit Chow for agreeing to the funding. Now, I will make this point. Um, you, can, you can give her all the credit and say, Mayor Chow is showing that she's flexible. She's showing that she's got some movement here. But I'm going to tell you something I'm convinced of from talking to three city councilors about it. She didn't have the votes. The, the groundswell of support for the cops to get exactly what they asked for, not 50 percent, not 60 percent of what they asked for. So notable, so strong that this is to avoid embarrassment later today on the floor of City Hall when an amendment would have come forward to give the police exactly what you, what they wanted. The extra 12 million dollars for funding. Mayor, if Mayor Chow opposes that, she lost. She didn't have the votes. She and her group did not have the votes. The other side had them. At least 14 of the 25 counselors. At least 14. And you know how momentum goes sometimes. 14 counselors would have supported meeting the force's request if they moved a motion to do so today. So it isn't going to happen. And I like John Burnside's quote in the Toronto Star. John Burnside's a former cop. I also Here's his quote. I also know the mayor's a pragmatist, and maybe she just reflected long enough and realized that for $12 million, it was better to listen. And what, we're going to criticize her for that? No, we would criticize her for digging in and saying, absolutely not. I'm going to stand my ground here and create tension within city council and not see the writing on the wall and not see which way the wind is blowing. So, um, yeah, that's where it's at. Now, listen, she's got fans of hers and her base and people that campaigned for her, supported for her, and they're blasting her. But that's what a leader does. They acquiesce. They go to the middle. They pick their battles. How many times do you get told? I get told. I tell others. 
hey, pick your battles. Is this one you can win? Is this one you want to look like you're desperate to win and lose anyway? Well, you're only going to get so many of those before someone says she's ineffective, before someone says she pushes too much. It's good strategy on her part. And there was pressure. There's pressure from the other counselors. But that's why we have a democracy in the first place. Let me get to this. Um, and, of course, some a lot of, a lot of you know, rumbling from what transpired Monday night. It was a big story when we started to see, whether it's on our social media feed or some newscasts, that there was a demonstration at, uh, at Mount Sinai Hospital. And uh, what was deemed a pro-Palestinian demonstration. I kind of told you my Genesis story was uh, uh, hearing on the radio yesterday, Monday, I should say, just before the six o'clock news. And we air the uh, the, the television side, uh, Global News at six with Alan Carter, that there's a presentation uh, or rather a demonstration at the Israeli consulate. And that's where demonstrations are supposed to be. But then about a kilometer plus going the other way is Mount Sinai Hospital. And I'm seeing this get painted now. And I get it. It's it's embarrassing. There's probably a lot of people that are like, what on earth was I involved in last night? What did I get up to? And um, if you were there, well, first of all, 80 percent of the people there are wearing uh, masks and face coverings. And I get that. It's completely and totally embarrassing to be chanting stuff outside a hospital and yelling into bullhorns and banging drums and one dude climbing on scaffolding. Um, with swinging a Palestinian flag around on the third floor when people are trying to decide whether or not to you know, pursue dialysis <laughs> or waiting for some kind of diagnosis or getting chemotherapy treatment. It's kind of you kind of don't want that. It's a little bit of a distraction in a tense time already. If you're like me, you don't love hospitals at all. And you realize as you get older, you're going to be in more of them, either for your parents or you yourself. It's stressful to take your kid to the hospital and wait on tests. That didn't matter to any of these people on Monday night. And I keep hearing this. Oh, we were just out for a walk, out for a stroll mm -hmm. with with drums and, and flags and signs and, uh, and and and, you know, loud chanting. Gotcha. Oh, that guy, that, that guy up on the scaffolding. Oh, he does that. Oh, he, he does that, does he? He jumps on top of scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it downtown at at, uh, at uh, Blur and Dundas or, or Young and Dundas. Big deal. Well, OK, um, maybe we should stop him from constantly doing that. It's not a gymnastics exhibition. What, what's this guy, Mary Lou Retton? Come on. He's not supposed to be up there. And police are going to look into this to some extent and investigate where this is all at. We asked our think tank panel yesterday about it. Here's what former mayoral candidate Chloe Brown said, who happened to have worked at Mount Sinai as a volunteer in a previous life. At some point, we have to rein in everyone's behavior if we don't want to see complete public collapse. Because people are just mimicking what they're seeing on social media without yeah. thinking about the consequences around them. And honestly, it just took me back to the pandemic where healthcare workers were fighting to do their jobs. And it's really disrespectful to them that people continue to disrespect their workplace. So, yeah, a lot of emotions. And that's the moral purgatory that I'm in today. You can feel how you feel about the Palestinians. You can absolutely think Israel's response right now is disproportionate to what it should be in terms of the destruction and in terms of nobody picking up for these poor Palestinian people. I got it. I'm listening. I understand. Here's what the premier of the province, though, was adamant about saying, and it was a stronger statement than the tweet sent out by the mayor, Olivia Chow, and the tweet sent out by the prime minister. This is what I want to hear more of from not just leaders in government, but opposition leaders as well. Folks, get some decency, have common sense. 
These these hospitals are there to save lives. You know, Mount Sinai did everything they could to save my brother's life. He was in there, and uh, they're an incredible hospital, along with all the hospitals around the province. They're there to help people. Do not, do not break the law, because that's exactly what happened. You broke the law, and uh, again, the federal government came out with a law saying you cannot protest in front of hospitals. But even without the law, you have that an ounce of decency not to do this. I don't care what you're protesting. That doesn't matter. There's limits and there's laws. And again, there's legal and illegal. And we have to make that distinction there. And the premier got the right tone yesterday. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Valentine's Day is a holiday about love. We have to cram love into one day. Have we become that self-absorbed as a culture that we have to set aside one day a year to remember to love someone? If you need the reminder, it's probably too late. You can also give your Valentine a heart-shaped box filled with those gamble chocolates. Have you ever eaten a chocolate from one of those boxes with any confidence? Darn, I got the one filled with toothpaste. Now I have to eat another nine to get rid of that flavor. Or those tiny heart-shaped chalk antacids. I know I make you nauseous. Here's a Tums with Hug Me written on it. All food for thought. No pun intended. It's Valentine's Day. By the way, the most popular gifts in 2024, per the world of statistics, so you know it's true. Candy's 57%. Greeting cards, 40%. I'm really shocked that's that high. Flowers, 39. An evening out, 32. Jewelry, 22. Clothing, 21. Gift cards, 19. And if you've given all seven to your loved one today. What the hell did you do in the last two weeks? I mean, I'm talking men and women. Uh, Shiva Siddiqui, um, who's uh, got a, a, a loving husband. I've got a loving wife. We know all about love. We don't. We're not. We don't have this crave to. I to want to know what love is. To quote the song, we already know. Three sixty five. Well, maybe three sixty six seven twenty four seven this year. Are you shocked? Greeting cards at forty percent. I know I, I am. I can't shocked. give my wife a greeting card today. Really? Well, I'm asking. What are the big elaborate plans? You probably made the reservation uh, six months ago. You've got the jewelry in the box. The Open Table app's the most used app on my phone. Well, that, if I'm having that many dinners, that is that would be more concerning so for a relationship. So, what's your Valentine's plan today? I I think we you know see. I'm gonna say that we did it last night. The date anniversary. There's a special asterisk, and we love celebrating the first ever night we went out in 2000. So we kind of, but we brought our teenage boys last night. But it was a good connection. Yeah, Four okay. of us ate for $102. Ooh. Um, people are trying to guess where I went. It is not Chuck's Roadhouse. People are getting, they're in the vicinity. <laughs> but good value for money there. I'm not going to give it away. But if I, I feel like if I got her something extra today, that would be just over the top. Oh, no, it would not. I don't not. want to look like I've done something wrong Brady, or i having some hesitation or neglectful. Or her favorite chocolate. Is there anything, anything on the newsroom table in there I can take? Sometimes oh, people bring God. in Halloween. Is there any Halloween candy Actually, left over? I was going to bring in my leftover Halloween candy this morning as a Valentine's present for everybody. Here's how much I love you. Here's some Smarties and Kit Kats that Dave Bradley, Tina Trajani, and uh, Sheba Siddiqui didn't give out at the doorstep. That's how that's how much how I deep the love is. I think you need to is. bring home some candy and some greeting cards. So yesterday, my husband asked me. He said, "Because we have a very busy t- like tonight, kids. One's got hockey practice. One's got a basketball game. One's got taekwondo. One's got studying for a math test. We're busy." Yeah. So he said, "You know, it's really busy this year." This is what he says to me the day before Valentine. He says, "It's really busy this year." Why don't we celebrate on the weekend? At least he scouted it out. No. And so my thought what? was, how does he not have anything planned? So I just looked at him, stone faced, deadpan, and I said. Let's just not celebrate this year. 
And then I turned her and I, which I think that every husband out there knows exactly what that means. Every wife out there, you know what I'm really trying to say. So he came to me later on that night and said, okay, you know what? Since we're so busy, let's celebrate in the afternoon. And I said, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but I'm telling what? you, there's hell to pay if nothing happens today. Yeah, I know. It's, oh, don't worry. It's not a big anniversary. I don't need anything. Is It's not even code. It's the exact opposite. It's not like subtle language. It's, no. Or it's I'm fine in an language. argument. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. That run for your of course, life. Of course. Uh, which outfit should I wear? I mean, I never hit my wife with that question. Do you like the... Uh, Do I look fat in the this? Le- the, the light blue <laughs> untucked shirt or untucked shirt or the, the dark blue denim style untucked shirt. The first Valentine's... On her own. Oh, amazing. For Sophie Gregoire. And yesterday, we saw a story um, of just, I sent you this, and I could feel your excitement pulsing through our, our little show <laughs> WhatsApp chat. The headline, Justin Trudeau's ex-wife Sophie Gregoire seen leaving Ottawa restaurant with her new beau, Dr. Marcus Batoli, and her three Marcus kids. Marcus the Who's an Argentinian surgeon. Got all the boxes checked and her three kids months after announcing her split from Canadian PM. But beyond the obvious, what was the thing that I noticed? They got her and she's with her daughter and they're paying at the Green Pea parking. I mean, even the prime minister's ex-wife has to has to pay for parking of in downtown course. Ottawa. But what I loved was there's Marcus Patoli, the dog, the Argentinian surgeon, and he's grabbing for the hand of Hadrian. Is that the name? The youngest Hadrian. Trudeau's son? Yes. yes, Adrian. Who's 10 years old. Yes. And I'm like. You are in. That's like family. there's a there's a very this is a very quick second marriage coming for Sophie. Oh no, very no. slow. Down. If you're grabbing the kid's hand, I think there's too much trauma from the first marriage. I don't think she's going there anytime. She's soon. seen the polls, but they they were out um, for dinner. This is a few days ago. They were at, in Chinatown in Ottawa, and all three of her kids are with her. He's got the youngest one. They're crossing uh, the street. You can tell they're very familiar with each other, and they were so they live in his condo. He's got a condo. Uh, in downtown Ottawa, near the hospital where he works. And right. the three kids stay there a few days at a time. I guess that's how they split the time. So they were in that. And I was thinking, is it a, like, how big is this condo? Is do Are they sleeping on the on the floor in sleeping bags in the in the living room? How does this work? Sophie won't tolerate that. She's, she's so going to need It's got to be a four-bedroom like. condo then. Yeah, it's not, it, it's not Rideau Cottage or whatever with the <laughs> swimming pool from 1976. It looks like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman was and having the some rats, parties there. It's rat infested. And, and yeah, the, uh, the the vermin. So this is a step uh, up. I think so. Ooh. But but again, neither has sort of, um, he's going through this bitter divorce. It's unbelievable. Like, I get it's the Daily Mail, but they've got details of like what his ex-wife wants for custody and what he's paying for child That's support. And it details. is it is digging galore. And he's galore. got two daughters already, 12 and 14 years old, two daughters from uh, his first marriage. Uh, listen. I saw this. I was really happy for them. I thought, this is so. Is this what happens? You get divorced and you go go get yourself a Marcos. Uh, I'm all in. Are you? But but if, if uh, like again, heaven forbid on Valentine's Day. I I I, I hope you and your husband uh, go the distance. I'd like to go the distance <laughs> in mine. But the second new, the new bow is holding your ten year old son's hand across the street. It's serious. This is serious with well, a bunch of S's at the been, end. Listen, we only found out this was happening since last April. It's been happening a lot longer than that. But here's my question. If she's out with him, listen, statistically, this is a Sheba statistic. Statistically, <laughs> men always move on before women do. What's he doing tonight? What's, I'm sorry. What's, what? Yeah, it's true. It's harder for men to be alone. I'm putting that out there. Sheba statistic 
yes, it's harder for men to be alone. They the he, women are in there wallowing, taking care of the kids. The men sort of need something, and usually it's something younger. He's got he's ju- here. He is juggling relationships, but they're with like Sean Fraser and Krista Freeland <laughs> and Stephen Gilbo and the like. These are he's balancing a lot. He's got a lot of people in his life right now. There's just. He's just probably not sleeping with any of them. He, they're, they're, they're cabinet ministers. That's what they're called. He's too busy. There's a girl. There's a woman. There's a woman. We'll, Anyways, and also Marcos, he forks out, uh, since we're talking juicy details, over 10000 US a month for his kids in child support. I feel like dinner didn't cost $102 with no appetizers no, and I'm no sorry, drinks I don't think it did. and dessert. I don't I think, think he's they, a cheapskate they like went, others. They went a bit harder in. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's News, Today's Talk. 640 Toronto. Really enjoyed our next guest column on The Hub. He's been doing some great writing there. And he uh, made a, a distinction between Doug Ford, the premier, and Pierre Polyev, possibly the next prime minister. Uh, and a lot of it is, is on the housing file which he knows inside and out. So I want to welcome on to the show Eric Lombardi, founder of More Neighbors Toronto. It's great to have you on. I'm re- really enjoying you writing in the, on the hub, man. It's it's really insightful stuff. Uh, thank you, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Absol- Always happy to be here. Absolutely. We hear the Premier step up to the microphone and say constantly, we've got so many shovels in the ground, we've never been busier building housing. Um, that might not be for a lack of effort, but the housing starts do say otherwise, don't they? Um, they absolutely say otherwise, and I would say, say that it has been due to a lack of effort. As, as opposed and, to cost, like interest rates and, and construction and inflation, etc. Yeah, and, and you know, here, here's the thing, right? Like, if you're looking at the policy framework that we have in Jose in Ontario today, interest rates have undoubtedly pushed projects sort of off um, the profitability or at least risk for right now. But that's only holding all of the other rules constant. And Ontario had this um, roadmap laid out for it in the Housing Affordability Task Force report, among the recommendations other experts have been making, as well as you know addressing tax issues, which you know on a new unit of housing in Toronto could be up to two hundred thousand dollars. And the government has simply not acted on those promises in in the way that they indicated in the last election. And, you know, Doug Ford was really strong about, you know, getting it done and build, 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 and that we were really going to tackle this challenge. And, um, you know, a similar parallel we're seeing with the federal government, or, sorry, the federal conservatives under uh, Pierre Polyev is, you know, this really excellent housing rhetoric. And, you know, it, it begs the question of whether or not we're going to see a similar type of, of, reaction once in government where, you know, those those promises don't really necessarily live up to it. You make the case that Doug Ford, um, Pierre Polyev has criticized gatekeepers and he's often, you know, asked and sometimes badgered to be more explanatory about what a gatekeeper is and who they are. But you've kind of hinted that Doug Ford is one of these gatekeepers. Ex- explain the, the thought behind that. Yeah. So for Pierre Polyev, a gatekeeper is someone who prevent someone from taking the action that they they want to or, or living out their dreams, right? And so, you know, he'll point out it's, you know, a, the bureaucrat uh, city planning. It is a politician who holds the keys to whether something happens or not. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the reasons why I'm describing Jug Ford this way is, you know, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but also because, you know, there are a lot of instances lately where, you know, Doug has really exemplified this persona 
Um, you know, a great example at, you know, 175 Kummer Avenue in Lolo Dale in uh, northern Toronto, where the city requested the province near unanimously to grant it a, a ministerial zoning order so they could build a 56-unit um, supportive housing project that, you know, we've been building around the city. And, you know, totally held up by the province for two years, costing Toronto $70,000 a month to store the modular housing units and depriving 56 people who are currently in our shelters of something more sustainable transitions, largely because, you know, of you know, the NIMBY out- outrage in, in that location. And so, you know, that's a perfect example of where, you know, get out of the way, right? Like we live in a society and we're, this costs us yeah. a lot of money, right? And, uh, you know, Pierre Paul Poyev doing an excellent job in his rhetoric. If he had like, even tweeted about this issue, you know, the ministerial zoning order would have been a week away. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he's got some ammo right away. He's able to, as you've seen him, dig in on Mark Miller, who used to be, who used to, who now is the uh, Minister of Immigration. Um, he, it's easy to criticize Sean Fraser, the previous Minister of Immigration, who's now the Minister of Housing and Housing and Immigration and all these interconnected problems are, it, it's easy to bash them. Do you think he's getting advice on a more macro scale, Eric? Don't say anything about Doug Ford. Your poll numbers are fine. This looks like it's going to be a cakewalk whenever the election is. Digging in on Doug Ford, though it might be accurate, isn't worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze there. Well, I mean, of course, my article is, uh, you know, terrible, real political advice. If, you know, you're just trying to get elected. Um, but ostensibly, you get into politics because you care about issues, yeah. right? And so it's more of, you know, prodding, you know, your allies were very similar in their rhetoric. What are you going to be like when we replace the liberals? And, you know, the liberals have a lot to be accountable for, particularly on immigration. So this isn't yeah. to, uh, you know, deprive that reality of uh, its, its head either. But I think Canadians are, are holding them accountable well enough. And uh, Doug Ford's a little bit, you know, escaping the heat. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's kind of sitting in the middle there. And a lot of the battles have been between municipalities uh, and the federal government and certainly the opposition leader able to dig in on the federal government's uh, just coming to the table now after the houses, houses, if you will, are already on fire. You can read Eric's work on uh, The Hub. Thanks so much for the time today, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, have a great afternoon. You bet. There's uh, Eric Lombardi. You can read him at thehub.ca. This is a really interesting uh, t- uh, article titled, Will PR Polyev Stand Up to Doug Ford, Canada's Biggest Gatekeeper? This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. How will budget day go today? Somebody who knows the process really well and is very popular with Toronto City Council for a long, long time in his ward and a former budget chief is Gary Crawford. Gary, it's great to have you on Toronto Today. Thanks for the time. No problem, Greg. Glad to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. A lot of people watch this day very, very closely. Um, You probably have heard the news stories as well that there's a reversal on the concept of the police budget. My understanding is 14 councillors were on one side and would have put an amendment forward to give the police their money. So it's not like I've heard it described, Gary, that they'd be voting against the budget. That's not really what would happen. But an amendment could easily have come to the floor today. 
Yeah, what happens with the process? It's a long, well, long process. It starts uh, last year after the last budget uh, was done. Um, but it goes through a number of different sort of iterations from city staff to the budget committee to the mayor. Um, and then during that process, the changes are happening. You've seen some of the changes uh, out on the media. The police was the big one that was just announced. Uh, but as it gets closer to budget day, what happens is uh, the mayor, of course, is speaking with all the city councillors. Uh, trying to get a sense or read of where they're at. Are they going to support the budget? Are they not? There's lots of lobbying happening, of course. And and yes, the lobby effort that the uh, police did uh, turned out to be successful. Um, and a number of councillors were concerned about, uh, again, safety in the city. And hence, they uh, probably communicated to the mayor they're uncomfortable voting for this co- component of it. And, you know, the mayor, you know, rightly so, um, heard that and made the change to the budget. Uh, again, we'll see the motion coming today from somebody. Um, um, and that will, you know, be part of the debate today. Are most of the decisions pretty much made um, before a day like today? And is a lot of it just simply, if not ceremonial, at least perfunctory, if you will? Well, so when you're looking at the budget, over $17 billion, 99.9% of it has been finalized. There are mm-hmm. small portions. You, you generally quibble, fight, debate over, you know, 8 to $15 million. Um, the actually, And so the uh, uh, mayor has actually identified $8 million. That's extra that the councillors will more or less debate. Uh, these are, you know, small things for the wards and all of that. But generally, yes, the budget has been more or less finalized. But again, the, the process has been over the last couple of weeks, a lot of lobbying, a lot of pressure is being put on. There are changes. There are small changes. Now, mind you, people will say that $12 million for the police is a big change. It's an important change. But regardless, most of it has been already finalized. And they do, as you say, quibble debate over a small portion of it today. How much does a budget chief have to get used to? And you did it for nine years, Gary. Um, just sort of the, um, the the tendencies, if you will, of the of the mayor at the given time. How, you know, the, the, the shifts, I suppose, from uh, John Tory to Olivia Chow takes some time to get used to. It's not like a, it's not different than a new boss or a new roommate when you're in university. Like there's some there's some quirks and, and issues that you, you, you know, you have to get grounded on. No, absolutely. I mean, I worked uh, eight, uh, well, nine budgets with uh, Mayor Tory, and we, we got along well. A lot of that has to do with trust. The two mm. positions have to be very trusting, um, but you have to have the same sort of belief system. I mean, the mayor, uh, previous mayor, focused on keeping property taxes as low as possible, which I supported, of course. Uh, so we worked reasonably well. But there's a lot of work behind the scenes that the mayor is involved in with staff, with other councillors. It is a very, it's a long difficult process to to sort of that people don't see 99% of it but it is a long process and you have to work well with your particular mayor you're seeing you're you're seeing a lot of um and and it's always going to be the case right like you're not going to get a lot of unanimity on the budget you're seeing a lot of people say boy we need this tax increase there's a lot of infrastructure issues in the city itself to your point there's a lot of people that um don't love the idea of a near double digit tax increase and they're saying I'm already, uh, you know, pushed to the limit financially. I want to stay living in the city either I grew up in or I met my wife in or whatever. So you're seeing a lot of diverse opinions about where we're at right now, aren't you? Oh, and I think this year in particular, recognizing coming out of the pandemic, there's been huge challenges in the city, but still there's an affordability crisis. People are, you know, struggling and nine and a half percent was ten and a half brought down to nine and a half percent is still a huge number for a lot of people. And it's going to be difficult recognizing now a lot of the councillors will be supporting this today. Uh, but again, that, you know, has to do with the conversations they've had with the mayor. I mean, they may have received some of the smaller things that they want in their 
particular wards. So they will support the the mayor. The mayor does she she'll she'll try to get as close to possible as a, a unanimous decision. It won't happen, but yeah. you, you try to work towards um, unanimity. Um, are you missing the hot seat at all on a day like this? Uh, listen, there, 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 I, I know how stressful it is. I would have been up four or five hours ago working. No, I'm, I'm enjoying sitting back, enjoying it from this uh, seat right now. I like hearing that. Hey, we all want to be there someday. Gary, enjoyed our chat today. Thanks very much for the time. Thanks, Greg. Have a great day. There's Gary Crawford.